Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Um, welcome to Grape Top Church Online. I'm your host, Homer Hargrove, and Alex, if you're watching this, we miss you. We're really glad that you're viewing online. And everyone else out there. Um, we are going to get started. We are continuing our series, The Will of God. Like we learned this last Super Bowl, maybe it just wasn't the will of God for the Cowboys to be in it. Or, nor was it the, who won? The Bengals. The Bengals lost, right? Right? Yes. Devastating. Completely shocked. Surprised. A lot of us had a lot of money running, running on that, but... Oh, well, it just wasn't the will of God, right? Um, That's what is really, uh, I feel so interesting about this topic, the will of God, is because we have a lot of ideas about what the will of God is. Whenever something doesn't work out, we typically will say something like, well, it wasn't God's will. Um, If something, uh, we want to do something, we will hesitate and say, well, if it's God's will. And I think there's a lot of confusion in our Christian world when it comes to the will of God and my heart is in this series for us to really understand a better idea of what the will of God is so that we could better fulfill our calling in our lives. Today, specifically, we're going to be talking about understanding free will under God's sovereignty. Understanding free will under God's sovereignty. I think this is a really, really complicated issue within our Christian world. Because I, I don't know very, uh, there are some people that believe that we don't have free will. There's even some Christian uh, denominations that believe we don't have free will. And I don't necessarily agree with them. I believe that we have free will and we also live in God's sovereignty. If you've ever heard terms like predestination, um, it's the idea that everything is already, that has already, uh, will happen, is going to happen. There's nothing that we can change about it. Um, because that's God's will. It's like God's sovereignty. He's in control of everything. Um, As a preface, the way that I view God's will biblically uh, is with a simple analogy. God has given us free will, free will, and that free will is like gravity. It's always there. It's it's always holding us down. Not like down, but (laughs) it is always present. And God's sovereignty is equivalent to like a jet. It is able to supersede our free will at times, at whenever God chooses. It's able to go against gravity and fly around um, while free will is still present. It just supersedes that. Y'all feel what I'm saying? So let's get into the, the nitty gritty. Our first point is empowered to decide. Empowered to decide. You are empowered by your God-given freedom and creativity to make decisions. A lot of pressure. (laughs) Let me say it again. You are empowered by your God-given freedom and creativity to make decisions. Those two uh, adjectives, are those adjectives? Freedom and creativity, those are God-given. A lot of times when people think about creativity, 
they think of themselves. Creativity is produced by the creator. It's impossible to be creative without the creator inspiring creativity. Y'all dig what I'm saying? That's why it's impossible for us to even imagine a color that doesn't exist. We, we don't have the capacity to create beyond what is within the creativity God has given us. Y'all feel what I'm saying? All that being said, so is freedom. And all of this goes into our empowerment to make decisions. Let me share this verse in Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26 through 27 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So this is a really profound verse. I, I really believe that a lot of the questions that we have about God are found in Genesis. There's even an incredible organization called Answers in Genesis where they do deep dives into uh, uh, scientific study improving so many truths through Answers in Genesis. Um, but when it says, one, when it says, let us make mankind in our image, is it is it actually foreshadowing the existence of alien race producing mankind let us what does that mean well what it is foreshadowing is the trinity the father the son and the holy spirit let us us being one but uh, uh god talking with himself let us make mankind in our image and as it goes on when it says in our likeness in our image god gave us three very unique qualities Three very unique qualities that no other creation has. And that is the ability to create. The ability to create. No other, uh, no other uh, created thing it has the ability to create like humans do. Beyond Ness, it, uh, beyond Ness and simple um, uh, things that animals can create, no, no living thing can create what mankind can create that's a god that is god making us in his image he's also given us the ability to, to rule and to govern no other created thing is able to extend itself to create rules to create laws be, beyond basic instinct beyond the lion the lion pride it's no other creature is able to go beyond that like us as humans and finally the ability to choose Humans are the only specimen, the only creature that has the, the creative and cognitive skills to choose the way that we do. Deep, deep ideas of thought and creativity and choice beyond basic instincts. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And some might argue like, well, have you, what about dolphins? They're super smart. Yes. But the ability to choose doesn't can compare to that of humans. They, they may be uh, uh, clever mammals, yes, but nothing compares to the choices of, of humans. Y'all dig what I'm saying? It's these qualities that make us in God's image. Now let's focus on this last one, the ability to choose. The free will of choice is one of the most empowering gifts God has given mankind. Not only is it an incredible freedom to be able to choose, 
the freedom of choice. Not only is that an incredible freedom, but it is also amazingly empowering. It's empowering to know that you have the choice. That you have the choice. And while there are different directions, commands, and responsibilities that God calls us to as well, he even pairs those commands, those directions, and those responsibilities with the creativity of our free will for us to decide how. So even the times where God gives us a specific command, it's actually not limiting because he gives us the free will and choice of how. For example, let's look at when Adam named all of the animals. He named all of the animals. And I want us to just take a step back and realize that God was not shorthanded. He, he was not short of ideas. He could, have, uh, he could have named every single animal as he created it. it. But the fact that he left that responsibility for Adam to decide his choice. And I want us to understand this, this scenario. Imagine all the animals coming before Adam. God's bringing them before him. He's giving this, him this command, name all these animals. And God stopping, uh, Adam stopping uh, over and over saying, oh my gosh, I don't know which to choose. God, tell me what to name it. You see how like, yes, that's, that's nice, a nice gesture to, to go to God first, but God told him to do it. And oftentimes we take that responsibility of decision and try to give it back to God when he's clearly told us this is your job. You do it. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And... I'll give another example. Those of y'all who are reading in our one-year reading plan, in Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 24, it's this interesting scenario where Israel is being formed as a nation. They've already been delivered from Egypt, and now God is preparing them to be able to, um, to, to become uh, this nation with rules, integrity, laws, all this stuff. He's preparing them in the wilderness to be able to go and uh, take hold of the land of the Canaanites. And in this scene, in Exodus chapter 18, it says that his father-in-law comes to visit him. And while, while he's visiting, he sees all of the people coming up to Moses and uh, all day for Moses to judge between people. They're bringing all these, these cases. There's thousands upon thousands of people. And so all these disagreements that they had with one another, they're bringing to Moses as a judge and saying, decide between us because you hear from God. You're our leader. You, you, you decide. And this took all day, and Jethro's like, his father-in-law says, you do this all day? <laughs> this is ridiculous. You're going to wear yourself out, and you're going to wear these people out. Here's an idea. Put, put trusted people that you choose to be over 1,000, to be over 100, to be over 50, so that it goes through this court system, and you deal with the, the cases that nobody else can deal with. When it's extremely complicated, they come to you. But put other people in charge to share this responsibility. And the reason I'm sharing this as a scene is because Moses ends up doing it. And I want us to understand that that, that was a creative idea to where God had given them the, the creative power to do that. They didn't have to say, God, give, uh, show us how to do this. Get, they weren't constantly asking God, lay it all out, draw up the, the blueprints. They had this creative idea like, hey, this could make it work better. This, could be, uh, this can flow. And they were freely able to do it. Nowhere does it say God, and then God smited Jethro for, for butting his nose in no one's business. It, it was 
it was a creative idea that was completely permitted, completely allowed, and it, it was really helpful. Y'all see what I'm saying? They had the ability and the freedom to decide something that was helpful on their own. And the, the last example that I'll share is the Great Commission. When Jesus is resurrected from the dead and he gathers all the disciples and he's about to ascend back up to heaven until his second coming. And he says this in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to our creation. What an incredibly vague command. <laughs> incredibly vague. Go into all of the world. That's no direction at all. That's an incredibly blanket command. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. It, to every, so it's just all in all. And with this, with this freedom of choice comes great weight of responsibility. And Christians often run from the pressure under the guise of waiting on God or if it's his will. I want, to, I want us to break down this. For Jesus to give this very... Again, blanket command. It beckons the idea for us to figure out how. To figure out the method. To make uh, hundreds of decisions of how to fulfill this great, great command. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And we have, we have been given so much freedom, so much choice. And that choice has a great weight called responsibility. It, anytime that we have to choose something, you feel the weight of it. I mean, sometimes it's even just like, what are we going to eat for dinner? It's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What, it, and even just with that, sometimes we, we hesitate from even choosing what the family is going to have for dinner because we don't want to make the wrong decision. Now you get into the bigger decisions, like where are we going to move, the house we're going to choose. Um, what am I going to do as a career path? Man, isn't that intense pressure when you're graduating high school, when, you, when you're in high school altogether, just thinking about what am I going to do for the future? And that pressure was so intense because you literally had to decide the direction of your life. And, and our public school system gives this, this idea that like you have to choose your life's course right now. And it's like, well, shoot, I don't even, I don't even know what I like to do. <laughs> and it, and it's important for us to understand that that is a responsibility and it's a great weight. It's a great pressure. It's, it's important for us to realize that that pressure, that responsibility is real. But oftentimes when we become Christians, we do what we did before in running away from that pressure. But now we, we label it under the guise of, I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. Well, if it's his will. I'm waiting for him to show me. Yes, let, don't get me wrong. It's incredibly meaningful and important to give honor to God in acknowledging his sovereignty and asking him for permission, for direction. That's incredibly important. When it came to starting this church, we, we prayed and fasted. We, we had so many different things that we put before God in confirming for it to be led by him, his direction, to, to be Holy Spirit led. But... I, what I'm what I'm saying is oftentimes God has already given you the green light in Scripture to do things. He's already given you the green light in Scripture to do things. And even for some of the things that you've already asked God to speak to you about, 
He's already given you confirmation, yet you are still waiting because you are afraid of the pressure and responsibility. I don't know how many times I've heard someone talking about how they're waiting for God to give them a sign. And then it seems as though God gave them a very clear sign. And they're like, well, I'm just trying to make sure I'm waiting for another sign. It's like, dog, like, you need to like, get up and go. <laughs> it's time to do something. And w- when you are waiting on God, uh, sometimes you are waiting for God to walk you by the hand. You're waiting for him to walk you by the hand because you don't want to mess up. You don't want to make a mistake. Or you're waiting for God to miraculously do the job for you. We want God to just do all the work. Just fix it. Do a miracle. When a lot of times he's like, you can do it, kiddo. I believe in you. And that, the reason we, don't, we run from that and we try to just label our running with spiritual terms, like waiting on God, is because... It's a lot of pressure to make decisions. Unless it is sinful, unbiblical, or God, or, or God clearly stops you and tells you something, unless it's any of those things, you are empowered to decide. You're empowered to decide. You can make decisions for your life as a Christian. I know, it sucks, right? <laughs> but you are empowered to decide and make decisions. You, uh, you, you really have to, to just get up and go. I have this little, we have this little book that we read our kids that's called, uh, you know, those little corduroy sets? Um, and there's one that's like, look at corduroy, get up and go. <laughs> and he gets on all these little like bicycle on a scooter. Look at him, get up and go. And in the same sense, we need to just get up and go. Whatever is in front of us, there's a, I think more people need to get up and go than people need to wait on God. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And if, if it's something where you really do need to wait, I, I believe that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and help you guide, be guided through that. But most times, God's waiting on, for, on us to do something. Y'all feel that? It, uh, as a simple example, it makes me think about um, times where people stop and pray, God, do you want me to, to give money to this person on the street? It's like, you don't necessarily need to ask God that because he already, he already tells us to give to the needy. So sometimes we, we have these simple commands where it's like, <laughs> what up, kids? <laughs> um, we have these simple commands where God has already told us how to live and we're like, God, do you want me to do this? And it's like, he already told you. He already has given us a command, move with it. You don't have to ask God to, to clarify something that was already written. Let's go on to, before I kick a dead horse any longer, let's go on to our next point, which is endowed with direction. This is a part that will help us, and the rest of this message is going to help us in the pressure of all this responsibility. Endowed with direction. When you put God first, he will give you direction when you need it. When you put God first, he'll give you direction when you need it. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. It, this, this verse is so incredible because Jesus is saying, just seek God first and everything else will work out. Uh, you, I believe that you could read this. When you put God first, everything else will be added to you. Everything else will, will work out the way you need it to. Because... If you put God first, you just can't go wrong, especially when you are facing an important decision or a direction. 
if you're facing one of these important decisions or directions, go to God first to ask him for his leading. Sometimes when you feel like there's not a specific answer, it may be that either way is good for you. And that's, it's up to you to decide. Sometimes when we're asking God for direction and there's silence, it is actually God leaving the decision to you. Ever been wondering? You, it's not that you're choosing from right and wrong. You're choosing between two possible good things. And you're like, God, help me to decide. This is a hard decision. And you get upset like, man, I feel like God didn't tell me what to do. Perhaps he's just saying you can, you can choose. You decide. It is still incredibly healthy and beneficial for us to go to God first and ask for direction. But don't, don't let that cause you to wait there forever. Don't hesitate when, when the decision is pending. When we don't involve God with our free will decisions, we are more susceptible to missing important details and making irreversible mistakes. If, uh, in this verse, Joshua chapter 9, verse 14 through 15, it says, So the men of Israel took uh, some of their provisions and did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them and let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. This was a moment where Joshua and the Israelites mistakenly made a peace covenant with the deceptive enemies they were supposed to conquer, the Gibeonites. The, the, what the, people, the, the people that they were about to invade, the people that they were about to conquer for the land. And God said, go into this land, conquer it. Don't leave any of the people there because they're going to be like thorns in your side as you try to flourish as a, uh, as a nation. And the Gibeonites, what they did is they disguised themselves with, uh, with dirt-ridden clothes. They put uh, gifts of moldy bread, uh, uh, sour, uh, um, uh, uh, bad bags of wine. And when they went to, to Joshua and the Israelites, they said, we're just from super far away, like way far away. And we just heard about you guys. We wanted to make a peace covenant with y'all before your God. Um, is that okay? And they're like, well, I mean, there's some from so far away. They're nice enough to bring these gifts. Sure. You're not, uh, you're not near us and uh, we're, you're not our, you can be our ally. And then they found out after this, it, remember, it says here that they did not go to God, that they just made this covenant on a whim. And it, uh, afterwards, this became this, uh, this mistake, which was able to be covered by God's grace. Don't get me wrong. We can make mistakes, and God's able to cover it with grace. But this mistake that they made caused them to immediately have to go to war prematurely in order to honor the mistakenly made covenant. As soon as the Gibeonites made this covenant with them, all the other nations that around wanted to destroy the Gibeonites for making peace with their enemy. And so Israel just made a covenant with them to, to be allies. And so they were forced to go to war because they, they, they just made this peace covenant on a whim. Again, this route could have been avoided if they had asked for God's direction. So all of this talk that I'm saying that we have the freedom and empowerment to decide, I'm still saying that we should go to God for direction. And when we need it, God will speak to us. When we feel like we don't hear anything, God is probably saying you can decide. But we should still go to God. And I want us to understand this scenario because I feel like a lot of times in Scripture, stories like this make us feel like almost afraid. Like, man, I don't want to ever make a bad a decision without asking God now. I want us to understand the weight of this decision. They made a major foreign policy decision for their entire nation 
without going to God first. This was extreme foreign policy that they made. Extreme foreign policy that they made as a nation that they, that they just made on a whim. You guys seem nice enough. Sure. Just like on the spot. It, it's like if, if a, a door knocker were to go to these Israelites' homes, they would have bought like all of this home security. They would have gotten... Uh, they would have bought the pest control, the home security, all of the, they would be the, the salesman's dream because they would have just agreed to anything on the spot. And it was something big enough and obvious enough to go to God about, but they didn't. Okay. There's a lot of decisions that we make that we just instinctively know this is a big decision. I should go to God. I should pray about it. This was a huge major decision that affected the entire nation of Israel. None of us have that kind of weight of decision, okay? I, I'm, we are important, yes, but our decisions aren't affecting the entire country. Y'all feel what I'm saying? On a whim. So don't let this pressure of go to God first stop you or make you feel so afraid to act. Just know that when it's an obviously big decision, you should totally go to God for sure, and he'll help you. But don't let that stop you from making decisions when you need to make. There's also times when we can be doing something permissible, a good thing, but God tells us to stop and change directions. These can, uh, these can be the most confusing moments. It's the moments where you are doing a good thing, nothing's wrong about it, you're not doing something like sinful, and you feel like God is telling you to stop. That's a very incredibly confusing moment because you aren't doing anything wrong, but you feel these big warning flags go up and you don't know why. This actually happened to Paul when God prohibited him from going east into Asia with the gospel message and later told him to go to Macedonia instead. Let me read it for you. It says in Acts chapter 16, they passed through the uh, <clears throat> Galatian region after being forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia and the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately sought to leave from Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. So talk about a confusing moment. All right, God, you told us to preach the gospel everywhere. Now we're going to go. And all of a sudden, God is telling you, like, not this way. See, not, it, it shows that God may be saving you from wasting your time. God may be saving you from wasting your energy, your resources, over something that he already knows isn't going to be fruitful right now. Timing is everything, right? And there may be a better time later in which it would be productive or healthy for you, but God is saying, not right now. Maybe later, but not right now. These moments are incredibly crucial for us to lean into the sensitivity of God's voice and direction. When we feel like something isn't right and we don't know why, we should really lean into God through prayer, through fasting, through scripture. And so uh, I, I, what I really love this, this passage about is because understanding this scripture will really save you from the potential of being manipulated in the future. Let, let me give an example. Imagine you're at a church 
and the pastor tells you to do something that sounds right, but you feel like is wrong. Or maybe it feels like you're not supposed to do that, but they're telling you to do it anyway. And they're like, why wouldn't God want you to do this? And it, that's happened to me. I don't know if it's happened to you. Oh, you are thinking, uh, see how I'm, we're totally not a cult, guys. <laughs> I, I'm giving you tools to help you to not be manipulated. Because here's a perfect example in Scripture where Paul wanted to do something good, something right, but God said, no, don't do it over there, do it over here. And so there are times where someone may tell you, do this, do that, and it's something good, something right, but you feel like it's not for you to do. That it may be God trying to lead you somewhere else to do something else. And that it, there's scripture evidence to show you that you don't have to just say yes to everything. Y'all feel what I'm saying? This is incredibly powerful to understand, to recognize, because it will save you from the potential of being manipulated by, say, a church leader. Not at this church, though, but the potential of being manipulated in a negative way. And then later dealing with the consequences, because if, you, if you've ever been through something like that, it's horrific to do something that you didn't want to do, and then you have to deal with the consequences. They don't. You do. And all of a sudden, you hate church. You despise it because they forced you to do something that affected your life in a negative way. And now, not only do you want to not go to church anymore, but you don't want to have anything to do with God because he allowed that to happen. Y'all see how easy it's able, something like that is able to destroy someone's faith? And that's why I'm saying this scripture will help you to know that even in this verse, it's giving you the freedom to choose. And, and that God, is, God speaks to you. God, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and lead you in those ways. And that, uh, having your own personal walk with God is so important. Because when you, uh, when you have these confusing moments... Just like I said, it's the moments that we should lean into God through prayer, fasting, and scripture, which actually leads us to our, our last point, and that is, endowed, uh, that is equipped with discernment. Equipped with discernment. And the truth is, guys, I don't want, I would never, ever, ever want Grave Top Church to be on an HBO documentary about how we, we cultically manipulated uh, people and people are just saying how we ruin their lives. I would never want that. And that's why I believe it's so important for Christians, for you, to be equipped with discernment. Equipped with discernment. Discernment is, is internally knowing whether something is right or wrong, whether something is truthful or false. It's, it's like being, a, a, have you ever met someone that's socially aware? It, it's something so important. It's incredibly easy to mistake God's leading with your own desires. It's incredibly easy to mistake God's leading with your own desires. A perfect example, a young boy goes up to a Christian girl, or young man, sorry. young man goes up to a Christian girl and says, God spoke to me that you're going to be my wife. <laughs> and... The young girl feels so upset because she doesn't want to be his wife, but God is going to make her. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, don't even I don't even like them, but if that's God's will. <laughs> what's, what's really sad about that is that I've heard that before. 
And, and people literally thinking that that's reality, that, oh, this just must be God's will. And, a, and I've heard it reversed, too. I've heard a, a young lady come up and is like, well, I know that I'm supposed to marry the pastor's son. I'm like, dang, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> How do you know that? I had a dream about him. <laughs> that's, <laughs> uh, that's called a wet dream. <laughs> that's, that's a romantically inclined dream. I don't know if that's from God or maybe it's just uh, you like them. And, and see how people, it's so easy. I'm telling you, people wholeheartedly believe God spoke to me. God told me. I've heard people literally describe their faith being shattered because of how confused they were at the thought that God lied to them about that being their husband, but they got engaged to somebody else. <laughs> faith shattered. Confused to the core. Because God spoke to them, why would God lie? It's incredibly easy to mistake God's leading with your own desires. Now you take it further to where God's, a pastor, a leader, a Christian leader is saying, God told me that you need to do this. Man. Now talk about feeling confused. They're like, well, God didn't really tell me that. <laughs> See, God can speak to both of us, right? But that's a whole nother issue where so many people's faith completely shattered because a, a pastor tells them, God told me to tell you this. And people make mistakes. Yes, there could be times where God really is speaking to his Christian leader to, to edify you and your faith, whatever, to help give you direction. That's great. But there's also a lot of times where I've seen this play out where I knew the Christian leader and I knew that that sounded a lot more like them than it sounded like God. And they're telling people, God told me to do this. Are you going to listen to God? That's why it's incredibly important for us to understand that we are equipped with discernment as Christians. And God gives us scripture. God gives us scripture. God gives us healthy leaders, not, uh, not toxic leaders, healthy leaders and the Holy Spirit to help discern between motives and influences. I don't know how many times someone's friend got a new car and they're like, I feel like God wants me to have a new car. God wants to bless me with that. It's like, no, you're influenced by coveting. You're influenced because they got it and it's really nice. And now you want it for yourself. You see how it's incredibly easy to mistake our feelings for God's voice. Don't blame God for your decisions. Don't label God told me over the reality of it being your desire and your decision. It's not wrong to have desires. It's not wrong to, to make decisions. But don't label it as God told me. Uh, just to, to make yourself, uh, to put yourself in a position where you're unstoppable. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Let me read you this verse in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Jesus says, but he said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one is affluent does his life consist of his possessions. Je the reason I want to share this is because Jesus is warning against greed. 
He's clearly warning against greed, and he's saying life is so much more than our possessions. A lot of times people label as God wants me, God told me, when it's directly connected to their desires and greed. Okay, again, we all have covetous desires. We all, we all want things at times. Okay, but the minute that we start labeling our greed as God's voice is a dangerous, dangerous, slippery slope. Look at what these other verses say. In Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 14, Then the Lord said to me, The prophets are prophesying falsehood in my name. I have neither sent them nor commanded them nor spoken to them. They are prophesying to you a false vision, divination, futility, and the deception of their own minds. He's talking about these false prophets. And I believe it applies to a lot of our own thinking about, our, about God. To where we simply have these ideas and we deceive ourselves with our own thoughts. We deceive ourselves with our own minds and we label it as God. Y'all feel me? This other verse says, They see deceit and lying divination. Those who are saying the Lord declares when the Lord has not sent them, yet they wait for the fulfillment of their word. Do y'all not see this playing out in our everyday Christianity? It's where like, well, I just believe God told me. God, I'm waiting, on, uh, I'm waiting for God to just miraculously provide, miraculously do this. And here in this situation, God's saying, I never said that. I never did that. I'm not saying that God doesn't speak to us. I'm not saying that God doesn't promise us. What I am saying is that there are a lot of times where we label our desires as God's word, God's promise. And it's incredibly easy to mistake God's leading with your own desires. Rather than commonly saying, God told me, or God wants me to, instead simply say, I want this and I'm praying about it. Isn't that so much more rational? God wants me to do this. God told me this. Why not just say, I want this. This is an ambition of mine, and I'm praying about it. Do y'all see that as such a more down-to-earth, rational way to express our faith? You know, you know how, uh, how silly we sound to the world when we make such great claims about God come, we make it seem like God comes down on a cloud and speaks to us in such clear ways. I don't know about you, but I, I, I hear the whispers of God's voice. I, I feel those leadings. And it's, it's, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of sensitivity, a lot of time in, in uh, being in relationship with God to really even make that voice distinct, to, to, to understand the, the difference between desire and his voice. And so many times we just futilely say like this bold statement. God said this. God did this. It's like, dude, you need to chill. Like we need to chill because that's dangerous. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Let me, let me share this scripture because, well, before I do, people get angry with God because what they were believing was promised to them never happened. Y'all feel that? People get angry with God because what they were believing was promised to them never happened. 
but often God never promised it specifically to them. It was just their own desires that they labeled as God said. Again, God answers prayers. God answers prayers. God answers prayers. He gives us promises. He, he does. But there are a lot of times where we just, we, we truly, we have the desire and we just say, God, do this. Let me share this, these last verses. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. Let me read this other verse. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and are able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The reason I wanted to share these verses is because these verses show us that Scripture is a tool. Scripture is a tool used to teach, correct, train, and equip us as Christians. And as well as, it is described as a cutting sword that exposes practical, spiritual, and personal truths in us and in the world. Okay? It, it is a powerful, powerful tool. It is not a tarot card pile that you choose from at random to get your fortune read. I know, that was blasphemous, right? <laughs> it's not a tarot card pile that we choose at random from to get a fortune read. It is not an appetizer platter of promises and blessings that you can just pull from to hold on to for yourself. Okay? There are universal promises and blessings in Scripture. There are universal, meaning that they're, they're for all mankind, they're for ages to come. But there are also a lot of promises that were given to specific people and to, to specific groups for that specific place and time. They were given to specific people, specific times and places, and their promises given. They're to show us that God is able to give those kinds of promises. But it doesn't mean that we can just find a random story and take it and say, this is for me. There's a, there's a very sad story that happened in South Korea years ago to where some, uh, some young girls were trying to go to church, but it was flooding. And the path, that, that bridge that they usually walk across was flooded. And they said, well, Peter walked on water, so we can just pull that scripture, and that means that we can walk on water too. They drowned and died. It's a very horrific story, very sad, but that is what people do to themselves when we just try to pull random promises, random acts, and say, oh, this is for me, because it happened to them. That's not what the scripture says. It is describing a moment that it happened, but God is not promising it to you. That was for that person in that specific moment. And we drowned ourselves in our lives by making sometimes crazy decisions by trying to force God's hand into doing something. We try to force God's hand into doing something. And our heart, when we do that, we lift up ourselves as God with false humility of saying, I'm trusting God. When in fact, 
you are trying to force God. And we are not allowed to just force God to answer our requests and our wants, which is why it is so important to understand that your free will is separate from God's will. And we should strive to keep our hearts in check in what, what and why we are trusting in God for. It's important to keep our hearts in check in what we're trusting God for and why we're trusting in God for. And I think that when we really break down the whys to a lot of the things that we desire before God, I think that it exposes, just like the scripture says, it exposes things in our heart. A lot of the times I've heard stories of, uh, and don't get me wrong, we're not, we're not all bad, right? We're, we, we have good things that we desire from God too. There's beautiful, godly things that we desire. But our American Christian culture has turned God into a Santa Claus, has it not? Yes. To where we, tr we treat God as, you have to give me this because I've been good all year. No, that's not how it works. And the reason I'm trying to break this down for us is not to just bum us out, but to edify our faith in realizing that we are on the earth and that God has empowered us and blessed us. Yes, but we also have to be responsible for our actions here on earth. And the idea of just uh, sometimes we really do. We, we drown ourselves. We ruin our own lives. And then we blame God because he didn't answer our prayers to make it all better. It, it's just God is able to redeem any work. But if it, let's give my marriage as an example. If I were to say commit adultery against my wife, that's a personal decision that I would have made, right? And then imagine if I just tell God, God, you need to fix this. You promise that you can redeem any work. And I just start pulling from scriptures saying that you can uh, resurrect this marriage and say it just still falls apart. And then I blame God. See, it wasn't God's fault. It was my decisions. And I have to live with those consequences. And what people do is they do that in so many different ways in their life. And then, then they blame God for not making it all work out. We have free will. And we, we pray for God's sovereignty. But he's promised us free will. And uh, he, it's, his, it's, his, it's his will to choose whether or not to intervene in supernatural ways. I believe that God works uh, in, in mysterious ways, right? God cause, causes even the most meticulous details to work out sometimes, doesn't he? He causes some amazing sovereign, sovereign things where it's like obvious God was moving. It was just like almost grace follows it. So it's like this could have gone bad, really bad, but it was so gracefully done. I know God helped me. Y'all know what I'm saying? But that's how God's will intertwines with our free will. He assists our free will with his sovereignty. But he, he's given us the responsibility to live in this world and to do our part. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Let, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. I know that there was a lot said today, but I want to ask two things. If you're here today... And you realize that this, this faith that we've talked about this whole time, this belief in God, Jesus, all of this, has been making you think 
about your decisions and your free will. And maybe you realize today that you've never made a decision to put your trust in Jesus. Maybe, you've always, maybe you were raised in church and you felt like you've always been just forced into it and you've never made the free choice yourself. Maybe you're on the opposite scope. You thought that God was so controlling and that you, you wanted the freedom to live your life. And today you realize that that's actually not God's nature. And that the thing that was holding you away from God actually doesn't exist. And you realize that you can trust him. And you want to put your trust in Jesus Christ today. If either, any of that is you, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hands. So right there to yourself, I want you to just have a conversation with Jesus. Tell him, I realize that I've found that you've given me freedom. And I want to trust in you. I make the free decision to put my faith in you. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God that died on the cross for the sins of the world and rose from the dead, that surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is that all it takes to start a relationship, a journey with Jesus, is an authentic conversation, acknowledging what he's offered to us, what he's offered to you. And you don't need to say a pretty prayer to make it through that. You can just talk to him with a genuine heart. Now, while you're doing that, if you're here and you realize the weight of responsibility, the freedom of choice that God has given you, and you just have this new light of God and his will for your life, and you just want, you, you want to enter into it right, you, want to, uh, you really want to be led by the Holy Spirit, but you realize that there's decisions for you to make. If that's you, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. So Holy Spirit, right now I pray for you to give guidance and direction to each person represented here. And those who are leaning on, into you, I pray that you make them sensitive to your voice and that those who feel hesitant, nervous, or even scared to make the decisions that they need to make, that you would empower them and help them to know that you are with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. With all that being said, we're going to go into a time of worship. Before we do, we're going to sign off online. Thank you guys for being a part. We love you all so much. Bye, Alex. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.